We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the RotoWire football podcast. Uh, John McCagney here, joined by Mario Puig. It is that time of year again where draft season is heating up as the college football season uh, has wound down. We got the Super Bowl coming up next week, but this week we have the Senior Bowl to kind of keep our football appetites uh, satiated. Uh, Kind of an interesting roster this year. Last year we had a bunch of guys that were guaranteed first rounders that were going to be fantasy impact guys. We had Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen. We had a bunch of good receivers and running backs Mario this year the crop a little bit light as far as our fantasy uh, aspects and aspirations would would be concerned because there just really aren't those like lock it in first round type of seniors in this year's class yeah I don't know the splits on like how many underclassmen there are and specifically projected to be among like the highest picked receivers running backs relative to past years but even if even if there's some sort of unusual glut of underclassmen at like receiver especially seems like it's a pretty weak class for dynasty purposes and not to say that like there's no good players but there aren't many obvious picks this is probably a good time to trade back generally as as a general rule just because it's like I don't know anybody who feels strongly about like the top five at running back or receiver the order within that or like six to 
like 15 even after yeah, that. People, people can really toss out a, a list and you you could feel like there's decent arguments that can be made from any one of, like you said, like those 15 guys, you know. Uh, it's just a, a very strange year, very light year uh, in that regard as far as your your running backs go. I mean, last year, we're in, in, in just recent years in general, we've really kind of lucked out uh, with, with some of the guys that we've gotten. I mean, beyond Saquon Barkley, we had just a great running back class last year between Rashad Penny, Sony Michelle, uh, Nick Chubb, Royce Freeman. The list, I mean, the list went on. Like, we felt like there were, you know, upwards of like 10 or so guys that could have gone in the in the top 100 picks, and maybe that, maybe that was the case. But this year, especially at the running back's position, it's really light. And at the Senior Bowl specifically, it's extremely light. Yeah, this basically looks like an East-West Shrine game running back roster. I think you can make a case for a few guys to be the best ones, but you're talking about like Karen Higdon, who might be able to sneak into like the fourth, fifth round or something like that. I've seen a lot of people talking about Wes Hills from Slippery Rock and Delaware before that, and he's like 25 and has been hurt a ton in college. It's like I've seen – when you're – when you're working yourself up to get hyped for a Wes Hills kind of player, I think that's really yeah a testament to just how bleak the environment really is. Because it's like normally you'd say like, "Hey, interesting free agent to sign," and people are trying to kind of convince themselves like, "No, he's like good," and maybe he is. But a uh, prospect profile of pl- playing at two really low level schools, uh, getting academically ineligible for one of them, and then two other pretty. Uh, nasty season-ending injury type things Ooh. uh the production was very good but he's also like 6'2 215 or something so he just looks goofy it's just this this is what we're convincing Josh ourselves Adamsy a little bit oh like uh that's the build yes but it's like without any you know evidence of being good at right. uh, taking a football and running away from people but maybe he is but yeah josh adams that's actually a pretty good comparison uh as, as a starting point but it's like he went undrafted too, you know. So it's like that's that's what we're kind of trying to delude ourselves into getting optimistic about, and uh, it's still an interesting group of people, and we'll we'll talk about them because it, it's opportunity that dictates fantasy value, and that's Absolutely. why I'm thinking it's like just trade back or look into it anyway in your dynasty leagues because chances are you're not really uh, conceding much in terms of just like projected talent, and the odds of the later picked player getting. Uh, worse opportunity than the earlier is pretty trivial yeah so it's like it's all random and that's not the basis that these these players will get their shots basically yeah so i mean it yeah kind of like you're saying just like in the end it kind of turns into one of those situations where uh landing spot really does matter almost more that because the the talent differential between you know the the highest rated running back of this group and and the worst one pretty negligible probably not drafting these the senior bowl guys unless you do like five or at least four rounds in your your rookie draft these are probably going to be guys who are uh you know sitting around even on your free agency wire yeah and then uh not so much a receiver there might be a couple guys yes we we most of this podcast will be uh going over the receivers because it's a pretty decent uh crop uh there but uh let's start quickly uh, run through some of the quarterbacks here. So earlier this week, Daniel Jones, uh, during his uh, Senior Bowl press conference, uh, says that the NFL Draft Advisory Board gave him the feedback of a first round (laughs) uh, pick. And that's just... Wow. I don't... Do you remember what they gave Pat Mahomes? (laughs) Didn't they call him him a second rounder? Third Third rounder. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah, Daniel Jones, if he goes in the first round, is going to be just 
awesome content. They're, they're I don't just, think he will though. They're just building him up for failure, and I think throughout the course of the week, people like the the shine on him has kind of been worn down. I think over the course of the week, uh, we've seen in seven in the, seven on seven drills, nine on seven drills, uh, even just on air uh, type of stuff where Daniel Jones does not look the part of a, of a first round pick. I mean, he, maybe, you know, if you're looking at a still shot and you see that he's 6'5", 220, good frame, sure. And he's relatively athletic, but as far as the arm strength goes and just the, the general ability to, to play quarterback, I just don't really see him it's all playing safe first, first round. And I don't get it. Yeah, I have no idea what anyone is talking. Like, I understand uh, why we would, you know, upon him getting accepted to the senior bowl, why we would go into it and be like, eager to monitor him and see what he can do but yeah. based as as a as a prospect based on his production and tape you would not particularly have reason to think the guy is draftable let alone a first round pick i mean uh, someone cool that i that i follow on twitter uh, i won't say their name because i don't think they really want to be uh, in this stupid media world but they tweeted something to the effect of like someone tell me uh, that Daniel Jones is ACC Josh Allen, so I can go back to sleep or something. And I was like, <laughs> I think he's more like ACC Clayton Thorson. So maybe the Josh Allen, in terms of getting driven up, despite all yeah. evidence to the contrary, doesn't have the arm really. I mean, he can he can probably like make distance throws, but it's big like wind up, chuck it at you know mm-hmm. straight into the sky kind of duck throws. And he's a functional runner, but he's he's probably not going to run better than like a four eight five four nine five something like that. I'm sure so he's really like tough. A, you're at best hoping for like Tony Romo esque like ability to like escape in the pocket a little bit, but you're not counting on him as a runner per se. I think you would expect even less than that because it's like he's he's a productive college runner because he can run a little bit, I guess, once he gets to the open field by college standards. But uh, he's like one of those guys who is a big runner by college standards, so he mm-hmm. kind of like does that inside running. It's like I don't even know if he has that applicable quickness, like escapability that someone like Romo does. So, I mean, like I said, I don't even really see why Jones is particularly uh, desirable as a draft pick at all. Yeah. So I'm guessing he goes in like the fourth or third just because of, you know, he, he is pretty tall. I'm sure he's going to do really well with interviews. He's probably got to be good water lake score you got to figure he wants yeah to Duke. he's got to be pretty smart and you know just probably a pretty hard worker to be as good of a college player as he was considering the lack of talent that he's probably dealing with yeah. but uh when you when you end on that as the selling point it's it's not much of a selling point at all no and then yeah so uh, i think we can both agree that, that daniel Sub- jones overhyped at the moment i think this, yeah. this should kind of i i would imagine that Probably it's almost the logical over. ending uh, will be him, you know, being being much further down the list than you know. We've even seen some like you know of the major media uh, mock drafts having him in the top twenty. It's just like no. you're you're just doing that to stir the beehive. I hope so because that's just there, sad. You can't watch him and say you know top fifteen, dude. Less or fewer than whatever. Less than sixty percent of his passes completed in the ACC at six point four yards per attempt. That's garbage. That's, That's really bad. And that makes Josh Allen's uh, college numbers look awesome. <laughs> Which is, and you, you know, co- that coming from you, I think that that says it all. I yeah, I, I don't really have. I wish him all the best. It's like I make it sound like I'm like you know stabbing a voodoo doll of him or something uh but which by the way he is very tough i uh, played he came back in like two three weeks from a broken collarbone yeah, or that whatever was pretty, that was pretty boss yeah that was ju- that was almost like uh don't do it but <laughs> it worked out okay so yeah, uh yeah i'm not that tough uh, i'm nor uh nor am i um but let's look at uh some other quarterbacks on this on this team two guys that we can kind of from the this is the the uh the north uh roster um 
Ryan Finley and Trace McSorley, both guys that I have a hard time, no. especially especially McSorley, I have a hard time seeing them get drafted, let alone, you know, become anything more than just, I mean, Ryan Finley at best can hope for like a poor man's Mike Glennon type of career trajectory. Yeah, he reminds me, I think, of People someone like, like David him, Fails or something like that. Like, totally good college player, but probably doomed to bouncing around on practice he's, he's squads. He's already just kind of topped out. I mean, he's he, this was his sixth year in college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was like a redshirt at Boise, then transferred. So, After Rip and um, beat him out when he was a freshman. Right, yeah. So it's like, he'll, he'll stick around and get paid, but he's not going to be, or I don't think anyway, he'll be any sort of fantasy thing. Uh, but yeah, McSorley's just like a Tyler Thigpin or something like that. Locke, Drew Locke from Missouri, has one of the bigger arms among the quarterbacks in the draft, and that'll that'll be some substantial currency to him alone, just because it's kind of a weak it's 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 not so much like a descent as much as just like a immediate cliff after Haskins and Murray. Yeah, you got the two guys that are underclassmen, then every, it's everybody else. And I think one of the main storylines this week has been the the sort of neck and neck race between Jones and and Locke to be that next Locke uh, quarterback. Yeah, I I think so. I More think than just he's Locke. looked a lot better uh, this week, and I, I liked his uh, just overall profile better than Jones's probably. Nice. There's some kind of comp for Locke that I had in my head recently, and I can't remember what it is. But uh, yeah, that that arm is at least for real, and he, you know, sh- showed a showed showed a pretty consistent willingness to attack downfield. I don't know how much he was like efficient at it but just having the arm and like the killer instinct is a nice starting point i'm not convinced he'll be more but uh in any case it's like not only would would we guess or i would say anyway uh not just Locke, but also greer jacks tyree jackson from buffalo and stidham i would all i would put all ahead of jones in the draft order Fair enough. Um, with, with Jackson, I think we we see the Paxton Lynch uh, just insanely long wind up, and it, it's not yeah. good. Yeah, it's it, it's not. It's just like I I feel like with him, I don't he, know. He'll probably it is. he's cool though. I mean, he's a fun player to watch in college. I just don't, I don't, he at I'm, least has the arm, right? I, yes, but I mean, like I said, it, it takes him a while to to get it uh, from from when he decides to throw it to the actual uh, end point of the motion there. So. It, I just have trouble with him right now. I think he's a guy that, that graduated, uh, so he got the eligibility for this. But right. I think another year in college would have helped him. Uh, I don't really like the fact that he came out this year. Does fifth round sound too early for you? Someone, someone will probably pull the trigger at that point. But okay. uh, I don't, I don't see him catching like the the draft helium and going uh, before day three. Okay, yeah, I just, I guess, I just have really low expectations for Jones. So I, I think Jackson has like. Yeah, the windup is also an issue, or at least I thought it was with Jones. But at least it's like Jackson can throw at a you know parallel to the ground instead of just doing a hail mary throws. But anyway, Stidham also not really much of a pro prospect in my people, opinion. People are like trying to talk themselves into him a little bit. It yeah, feels he might like. be okay, I guess. He's like, got decent. He's got like a decent like short to intermediate velocity on his passes but uh you know he was working in a, in a strange offense at Auburn one that uh there is going to be a, a pretty significant learning curve in my opinion between what he was playing in in Auburn versus uh what's coming at the next level like if you want to if you wanted to slap like the system uh concerns on on a quarterback Stidham I think fits that bill yeah I agree I mean he has some uh useful tools like he's pretty athletic relatively like he's not a not a liability in the pocket anyway and he is a former blue chip recruit so I think he'll he'll rise a little bit but he strikes me as almost like a uh I don't know like Christian Hackenberg style asset where it's like he came in with high expectations didn't really meet them and people are still kind of just like well 
but he had these excuses and it's going to work out and maybe it will. Uh, I mean, he didn't, he didn't just crater at the end like Hackenberg did no. to be fair, uh, but he also probably doesn't have the arm. So we'll see. Uh, but in any case, yeah, the quarterbacks are boring. Running backs are pretty boring. Like I said before, Karen Higdon, he might be a like rotational, you know, quick, fast guy off the bench and he might be good at it, but the odds of him starting really in the NFL are pretty low and the odds of him playing soon, pretty low also, uh, probably, wouldn't you think it's i guess like tony pollard dexter williams and maybe armstead who are the next three running backs oh uh, yeah i would say so and pollard let's get into him he's a, he's an interesting case because he's a guy yeah. that um at at memphis had just a, you know he can do pretty much anything you'd want on, on offense he, he worked mostly out of the slot from what i could tell um he had 117 offensive touches uh from scrimmage uh this past year um and he those turned those into over a thousand yards from scrimmage, nine touchdowns. Uh, over the course of his career, he had seven kickoff returns for a touchdown that ties uh, the NCAA record. Uh, didn't have like the greatest like efficiency as far as his receiving numbers, at least this year. Uh, it went down to 7.15 yards per target. Uh, the year before, it was 8.6. Uh, that was with Riley Ferguson. Probably in that Memphis offense, maybe a slight improvement over what Brady White uh, was doing uh, this year at Memphis, in my opinion. But uh, Pollard was was absolutely killer as a rusher this year that's where I think he had he took his biggest uh, step forward over the course of like 80 carries or somewhere in that neighborhood uh, averaged over seven yards per carry and again he was still uh, killer in the return game so really right. anything that you want him to do uh, he can do it and he's he's got you know a pro style uh, build too you know he's he's like six foot ish and, and a little bit over 200 pounds probably could add a little bit more muscle even to that so he's he's just a really intriguing player that that just no matter how you get the ball to him he's going to make a play with it yeah it's one of those things where you watch on tape and you see his recruiting status and you don't assume like this is an electric athlete or anything like that but when you look at the production it's kind of hard to explain unless he's at least a pretty decent athlete and uh, if he's at least a decent athlete then I like his chances of doing something in the NFL just because with the running back and receiver position getting, or the running back and the slot receiver position specifically getting blurred uh, in some of these new look offenses, it's like, why wouldn't he be, for instance, just like a really good backup for Alvin Kamara or something like Kamara, something like that? Because uh, he, he played basically three different positions between, uh, he almost has kind of like a Muhammad Sanu background coming in because they did a lot of like wildcat quarterback stuff right. at memphis and he also played in, in the receiver and he also just played like actual running back uh doesn't look like a burner or anything but he keeps repeating the results enough times that it's just kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt on some level i would guess right now he's probably like a sixth round pick but if he has acquitted himself well this week and he tests as at least an average athlete at the combine i think that could go to like the fifth fourth round range and maybe even higher if he, he really surprises yeah i, d- I definitely w- would project him I, i'm an i'm a tony pollard optimist so I, yeah I, I feel more strongly on like the the early day three type of uh you know curve uh for him but again we'll see uh the combine will be huge for him but it seems like he's getting pretty positive marks across the board uh against good competition this week because uh the defenders at at the senior bowl at the very least are 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 good so uh the competition level he's going against is solid and he's he's checking the boxes there yeah seven touchdowns on uh like what was it like 30 returns or something like that that's 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 too much to be a coincidence i think so he's pretty interesting dexter williams is a guy who is probably the highest recruit of the group at notre dame had a weird uh, weird mystery suspension this year and 
a couple of years ago, he, he was among six Notre Dame players arrested for, I guess there was like one gun and some weed in a car and nobody claimed it. So they all got arrested. Ooh. Something like that. I don't know. It, it, he doesn't seem like he's actually like got any concerning character, bad guy type stuff, but maybe, you know, uh, focus, dedication type concerns. I don't know. Uh, but in any case, he was the best, rec- their highest recruit of this senior bowl group. Not really saying that much. He was only like a mid four star kind of guy. And he was explosive this year for Notre Dame. Didn't strike me as particularly fast or quick or anything. Mostly just kind of like a one-cut guy who has pretty good body density. So he falls forward and, and you know, can kind of dictate traffic a little bit. But I guess I would be surprised if he really did much in the NFL. But it is one of those cases where if he just gets on the field, I mean, there's there's been, uh, you know, if Detrez Newsom, guys like that can get on the field, then Dexter Williams can too. And who knows what happens? Who knows what will happen? But I don't think he's even as good of a prospect as someone like Gus Edwards or something like that. Ooh, well, uh, yeah, Gus Edwards, uh, yeah, he was someone that, that just uh, slipped through the cracks last year. But Williams, uh, I'm I'm kind of in the same uh same feel on him as you were, like probably like a sixth-ish round. Something like that, yeah. He's probably uh, where he uh, projects right now. I liked what he did uh, at Notre Dame this year. Yeah, and, very productive. You know, and if you wanted to play like the, oh, Notre Dame offensive line, they didn't have your your standard Notre Dame offensive line this year. So he was creating for himself maybe a little bit more than, than people would give credit for, uh, just kind of as, as like a general college football fan that doesn't look too deep into it. But no, they didn't have a McGlinchey or a Quentin Nelson uh, plowing the road out in front of him this year. So he was creating for himself. Um, I thought he did pretty well with it, obviously. I'd probably like him a little bit more than, than a Karan Higdon, um, but I'm, okay. I'm more like intrigued by, by a Tony Pollard. Karan does make more sense than Karen. Sorry, Karan. Um, I've been saying Karen all this time. But anyway, yeah, the other running backs, like we talked about Wes Hills a bit. He's interesting. That's kind of all. Bruce Anderson, I don't think will do anything. He was no, not he, even... And he's failing like the, the other stuff that, that scouts love to get into. Like he's just getting completely worked and pass oh, no. stuff uh, that's not good uh yeah he wasn't even like uh half the player zach zenner was at north dakota state and zenner still went undrafted so uh wish anderson all the best luck but i i really doubt we'll see his name around nfl teams for that long uh armstead at temple's pretty interesting because he, he shows some decent speed on tape and he runs really aggressively and he was apparently doing that at the senior bowl practices uh, running very feisty, but uh, injured a lot. The production was kind of uneven. So uh, I like him actually as like an undrafted kind of pickup. He's the kind of guy if injuries hit in camp, he might surprise and stick with some team, uh, especially since it's like his doggedness as a runner, uh, but not really a traditional it's a, desirable it's prospect. That's a Temple Tough. Yeah, Temple Tough. Uh, but yeah, he's not really someone we're, we're thinking like, ooh, can't wait to see him get a shot, but I, worth watching, I guess. I agree with that. Yeah, Armstead, someone to at least keep an eye on. And then um, I like Darren Hall. I feel like I'm like the only guy that, that oh, liked, I missed him, totally. liked him. Yeah. But uh, he was a guy that, you know, coming into the year, a lot of people were really in on the on the other uh, pit running back, Quadri uh, Allison. But uh, Hall was a guy that I always felt like when he got the shot uh, at pit, he was able to produce a little bit more. Uh, more he's kind of a tank. He's built like 5'11", 225. So maybe he could be uh, of those like Gus Edwards type types this year where he falls through the cracks, but gets a chance. And then he's, you know, he's just kind of a hammer. Like he really runs uh, physically. He's not a fun guy to bring down from what it looks like on tape. So uh, he's also someone to keep an eye on. But that otherwise, it, I'm kind of out on the rest of these mm-hmm. running backs, I would say. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, right. Looking at the receivers, there's the big name going in who's Andy Isabella. And I still like him as like a second, third, fourth round pick out of UMass. He was wildly productive this year. Uh, I got to 
give mention to uh, so Justin Higdon at AFC to NFC and Brendan Leister, who uh, L-E-I-S-T-E-R, some PFF capacity. They noted that Isabella had kind of struggled with his slot releases a bit in the senior bowl practices, which right. you can look at that and, and figure like, oh, he's not good at it, or it'd be fair to also look at it and and uh, rationalize that he just needs more reps there because he's raw on the inside releases after mostly playing outside at UMass. But if he can get over that, I have no concern at all about him as a but, prospect. But what do you think about like his ability to do that because he did check in with really sort of guy you see on the street measurables? Yeah, that was kind of expected. And that's the main reason why he needs to get better at the slot because it's yeah. like 5'9", 185. It's like T.Y. Hilton can do that on the outside, but he's, he's, an, T. Y. Hilton. he's yeah. an exceptionally good player. And Isabella could be too, but it's just one of those things where if you want to control the odds for yourself at all, you got to get better at the slot because uh, you're less of an anomaly if you succeed there than if you do on the outside. And he's going to do both. But he needs to get better at the inside also because it's just he'll be useful there if he gets good at that because with his kind of speed, which should be in the 4-4 second range, maybe even the 4-3, and his natural just quickness and and elusiveness otherwise, he could be a a problem after the catch on on short routes, and and that would be a nice kind of player to have in your offense. But at the moment, he's struggling to get into his releases, taking too long, getting these catches, but it's like the quarterback would have been sacked if that were a real play. Yeah, Yeah, that is like a huge issue in watching these senior bowl things where, you know, he ends up making the play, but it's, you know, five seconds after. Yeah, it's not a 10-second rush. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, when it comes to him and and just sort of the the chatter around him this week, it has been interesting because some people like uh, his, like, real fanboys are like ooh once he once he gets his release look out you know yeah. or you know emoji face of like the the screaming type of thing or, or the googly eyes but then other guys are like yeah he has this weird like hop step at the start of his routes that always kind of gets him into trouble and allows defenders to get to like dig right into him immediately so maybe if if that's like the uh like the genesis of uh, his issues getting the release in the slot and, you know, he gets good NFL coaching to knock that out of his system, uh, then maybe it, it does become something where he's able to to shake that and become or, or reach that potential that we're talking about. Yeah, and I, I want to mention again, I think he can be like an average or, you know, whatever, some sort of usefulness as an outside receiver too. It's just that for him to hit his real upside scenario, he needs to be better at the slot because that that would just make him complete, very difficult to stop. Uh, so, but after him, and maybe even speaking of slot guys, yes, uh, the the, the guy who I I have to apologize. I I was a Penny Hart truther back when we were doing like DFS stuff, and he was a true freshman, and he had like the big game against Oregon at three thousand dollars on DraftKings, <laughs> and I, I was a truther at the time, and I was like, yes, because he was a true freshman, and he was just at Georgia State, at Georgia State, and he was lighting up everybody he played. He was a better player at about two years younger than Reggie Davis, who is a seventh round pick of of uh, Washington. And uh, he's a different player, slot guy. He's only he's listed at five eight one eighty. That seems to be what he actually measured in at at the Senior Bowl. Very small, but at least it didn't turn out to be like five six and a half or something like that, sure. which would have been an additional hurdle. But at five eight one eighty, he's he's not exactly like skinny. He's just kind of like small, you know, tightly built, uh, densely built, and uh, so he doesn't he doesn't have a lack of presence despite that five eight one eighty. Uh, he he really is like more dense than he is skinny, uh, just short, not necessarily small. 
but super productive. Had the nasty foot break in his second season. Right. Uh, and I was worried. out his whole season. Yeah, the numbers fell off last year with Penny Hart, and I, that kind of discouraged me. I was worried that he might have been pulling a Tommy Schuler and just kind of like fading at the end of his career. Yeah. And, and for context, his touchdowns dropped from eight to two. Uh, his catches dropped down from 74 to 49. But. You know, I'm sure that you were probably going to say something along these lines, but it's not like he really was playing with a whole lot around him. Right. It was a terrible team. It was a terrible team when he had his big seasons too, which is why I was I was like, what changed? Did they just like figure him out? Or and it's looking like he more so just kind of got undone by the team around him. Yeah. And because uh, he's doing really good at the Senior Bowl, a lot of people, basically everybody there is. It seems like the consensus is he's the best receiver there, which if you look at the production and especially the age-adjusted production uh, going over 1,000 yards, he had 1,099 yards, eight touchdowns as a true freshman in 13 games. So that that's the kind of thing where if you can pull that off at that young of an age, it's either like you have this innate athleticism that makes you really good and, and you might get better yet as you learn the skill set of the position you're playing, or it's just that you're innately very skilled at the position and uh, maybe the athleticism isn't good enough to project further upside, but it seems like Hart is just dusting everybody right now. So maybe he will turn out yeah, to be he's, pretty fast. He's really, really springy. I noticed yeah, from, yeah. from watching like the, the reps, like it, once he kind of, he, he can like get a defender on it, on his heels really, really quickly. And then just like give you a, a slight hesitation and he's gone the other direction. So really, really like crisp and springy in those routes. It's really impressive stuff. Yeah. And he kind of just like pops off the ground. Like you, you, like you mentioned, very springy and we'll see if he runs like a four, four, five or something like that. I can see him being i don't know second or third round pick because if the athleticism checks out it seems like by all accounts the skills are just you know abundant like there's yeah. nothing to worry about if he can do that limited uh, in his nfl application to the slot probably just because of being that size but in the three receiver league that that we're seeing you know come up right now he's probably more than good enough to be the slot guy if thing if he does test well yeah and maybe maybe you know after this week and what we'll see what the what the combine brings us but maybe there, there's a case to be made where he is leapfrogged andy isabella as like could be the, that slot guy he's doing better right now so to, to, to rank isabella had is to project more upside based on his production and his perhaps better athleticism but hart hasn't uh you know conceded that yet he might be fast and quick for all we know he might be able to jump high for all we know uh we'll see on that soon enough but in the meantime we know he's he's good at playing receiver yeah. uh so he's pretty interesting let's he, uh let's get into the other receiver that that some are arguing uh is the top receiver in mobile uh debo samuel debo samuel's pretty interesting and i don't really know how to think of him because he's, he's had an incredible week and he had like some like insane sprint speed uh, go, going on, I think yesterday or, or, or I'm sorry, uh, Wednesday or Tuesday, uh, he had some really he uh, he was able to get by Mark Fields of Clemson, who's like kind of known as as the fastest guy in that Clemson secondary. So that's not nothing. Um, Debo, I think it would have gone against him having uh, played against Clemson uh, a few times in college, but he was a really really productive guy. He he's a guy that you know. Uh, he's not quite the returner that Tony Pollard is, but he was he was really really Very lethal good. at that, especially uh, before he injured his leg his junior season in 2017. I think that if he had stayed healthy uh, through that through that 2017 year before the that leg injury, he probably is is in the NFL right now, just having completed his rookie season. Yeah, and he's he's a little bit old. Like I think he'll be 24 at the end of his rookie year. But even back in what probably would have been his uh, age excuse me, 20 
season, which was cut short by injury. I can't remember if it's the one that you mentioned, but he caught uh, 64 or 65.4% of his targets at 9.2 yards per target in a South Carolina offense that completed 61.6% of its passes at 7.3 yards per attempt. So it's always good when a player outplays his environment like that. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't look obviously fast on tape, but it's one of those things where when someone scores that many times on kick returns, it's best to assume it's one of those things where they just don't really look I mean, as fast as they yeah, are. Yeah, he's just like densely built. It's sort of like almost like the James Washington build a little bit where he's getting yeah. he's, get, he's beating people down the field, but it, it doesn't look on its surface like it's blazing speed. I compared him to Pierre Garçon in a senior bowl preview just because he's like the six foot, 210 plus pretty fast pretty athletic generally uh but he has more or actually i don't know what garcon's kick return background was in college he didn't do it in the nfl but debo you would think will carry it over to the nfl for sure uh any other thoughts on Debo uh, th- though? Thir- third through fourth maybe fifth round if he tests disappointingly but other than him i mean it's probably like uh jacoby myers of north carolina state terry mclaurin of ohio state that's getting the most attention i did some, I did some digging into mclaurin uh earlier today when when i was prepping for the show uh, someone that I sort of overlooked at Ohio State uh, yeah. because, I mean, the, Ohio State spread the ball around a fair bit, and he really didn't garner a ton of the of the looks this year. No. Uh, from, from Dwayne Haskins, he only had an 8% target share, and if you adjust it to games that he played in because he did miss two games, only 9% uh, on average of the targets in games that he played. So not, certainly not drawing a ton of the attention of a guy like Dwayne Haskins, but I mean, holy crap, like 16.7 yards per target. Like, that's just yeah, absurd. at 83% completed, I think. Yes. And so that's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And yeah. So over the last two years, uh, 17 total uh, receiving touchdowns on 64 catches. So that's over uh, a quarter of his catches are going for touchdowns. Uh, yeah, and, and then the, the catch rate uh, this year, 64 catches on, on 90 targets. That's 71% uh, of the targets uh, that, that he's catching. Uh, so that's really impressive. And it's not like he was getting the generated... Uh, looks in this offense he was mostly playing outside from what I could tell mostly you know splitting time between left yeah, and Paris right outside. Campbell he was, was usually in the slot yeah he was always get so he was the one that was getting the manufactured looks uh way more so that, than McLaurin I think Ohio State just kind of wanted to use Campbell as a guy to to move the chains that wasn't uh the running back so I I walked I came away from it pretty impressed and he's he seems to have been doing really really well this week in the uh in the senior bowl one-on-one drills and on the seven-on-seven drills uh caught his game against washington uh didn't have like huge numbers in that game uh but looked good on his routes i'd say he was was smart and adept at like finding the soft spots and in a really talented uh washington secondary and he also just totally ran away from some guys against oregon state in the in the first game uh of this season just like really really impressive just you know looked like he he like the other guys didn't belong on the same field the same kind of deal yeah he is a red shirt senior and so his age is a bit advanced for his breakout production and that's basically the reason why he's not being talked of as like a second third round pick i guess he could be talking third round after after the senior bowl uh he should run in like the low four fours or high four threes and i know justin higdon cited i think a 42 inch vertical to him so if he if he tests like that at the combine yeah i guess i should say day two is totally in play i don't really know no, i don't really know who to compare him to i wrote taylor price who was just a guy from ohio who was really athletic moderately productive i think he was a fourth round pick didn't do anything in the nfl but that's just because you know sometimes 
those guys do something sometimes they don't and sometimes it's not even because they were good or bad it's just random circumstances so he profiles as that kind of pick to me like third fourth round range uh but we'll see i mean he's he's killing uh the testing probably and the and the practice the actual skill demonstration he's doing well by all accounts but yeah jacoby myers just a slot guy to me i mean he's interesting he's a former tall slot then yeah he's a former uh, quarterback recruit so he's he was learning on the fly i think this year was his third year at receiver and he really broke out uh over 70 percent completion rate uh, i think at like over eight and a half yards per target so that kind of efficiency is really nice to see i uh, don't really see anything obvious on tape but uh that's the case with a lot of slot receivers including productive nfl ones it's more like as long as you run routes well and catch the ball there's a chance you can do something especially if you end up on a team with a functional passing game so he also he profiles also i think as like a fourth fifth kind of guy who if he ends up on a team that has snaps for him there's no reason to think he'll fail exactly but it's also kind of hard to see some team like rushing out to to claim him yeah yeah i don't i don't see that sort of helium from him but certainly a guy that that could uh stick uh somewhere uh what do you make of the of the west virginia guys between gary jennings and david sills because those are two of the other kind of highly billed guys coming into this week I think they both have a chance to be real NFL receivers. With Sills, it's harder for me to figure out, and the, the workout testing will help un, help me understand him a bit better. But uh, you look at his production, and you would assume he's just kind of like a physical bully in the end zone because he had a uh, thirty-three touchdowns in the last two years, I think it was. And it's more converted like converted quarterback too. Yeah, converted quarterback who who's a super prospect. Lane Kiffin uh, anointed him, appointed him in king the, from the cradle yeah uh king king quarterback at age uh, 10 or whatever and it didn't work out uh had to go to receiver couldn't play quarterback in juco so he he definitely couldn't play quarterback nope. uh but anyway he, he actually looks more finesse than i expected like he seems like a better route runner than i expected with worse hands than i expected i expected somebody more like our sega white side uh when you look at their numbers they kind of look the same yeah but uh Sills seems like a pretty good route runner and more of a finesse guy than i was expecting and i'm, I'm almost worried he's like a bigger abraderis in the sense that like he he has a finesse game but doesn't really have good enough hands to withstand uh the contact of the nfl and he's not going to like bully anyone physically otherwise that's a, that's a really interesting point because yeah he is built you know at six four two ten like he it does leave something to be desired in terms of like how little it feels like he uses that frame yeah he's not a bully and his catch rate was eerily low actually it was below 60 percent and, and Will th- Greer chucking him pretty down pretty far downfield to him though. high difficulty throws to be fair yeah but it's like when when you're taking that many high difficulty throws to get that touchdown count it almost seems like it was kind of uh not a force role necessarily but it was just like no one else on that team could project for that part of the field and that's a limitation with Jennings if so although Jennings did uh get uh, 11 touchdowns this year after only scoring one on yeah. like a million catches yeah, that, two years ago yeah so I don't know what they were doing with, with him specifically a couple years ago but yeah this year that they, they kind of had a different role for him maybe they like flip-flopped him and Marcus Sims and it worked out really well and I know that on like the GPS uh, measurements this week Gary Jennings had, like had a sprint speed over 20 miles an hour so that that was you know encouraging he had some really big if you watch his uh tape against Texas specifically really good ball tracking really so yeah like, maybe an underrated ability to get down the field a he's kind of like Myers I think he was the slot receiver for West Virginia while Sills did more outside but I almost see Sills as like an NFL slot receiver too big slot whatever but uh, they can both probably play inside or out uh, Jennings had 71.9 percent catch rate at 9.7 yards per target over the last two years whereas Sills uh, like I said it was just under 60 percent i'm trying to oh actually it's 56.8 percent at 8.9 so the touchdowns are nice but it's one of those things where i'm like 
well, Jennings did more actual receiver stuff that he'll do in the NFL than Sills did. You know, it's like those plays at West Virginia just don't exist in the NFL. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. So we'll, we'll have to see how his game translates and how he's able to, to kind of adjust there. But uh, do you have any other parting shots here? Any other last guys you wanted to, to uh, go over or anything you're looking out for specifically for the upcoming senior bowl? Well, I still am a Jalen Smith truther. I compared him to Riley uh cooper which downfield one-dimensional kind of thing if, if it works out well but otherwise two small school guys are worth keeping an eye on keelan doss from uc davis super productive probably more of like a big slot kind of thing uh and then there's alex wesley who's more of a skinny slot at about 185 or something like that but he's a track guy could have four three speed he's pretty interesting out of northern colorado oh inter- yeah okay I, I did notice the, the northern colorado guy a little bit at the practices this week and uh travis fulgham not quite as small of a school prospect but a big guy six three two fifteen out of, out of uh old dominion he's been impressing some people and i okay. think he, he's been like he's been doing well enough maybe on like the the blocking type of things so maybe he's just kind of more like special teamer at the yeah end of the day. i overlooked him because he was a walk-on redshirt at old dominion so he might be like 25 right now oh and his, he was still kind of a late breakout sort of guy but uh, that's that's also kind of the profile of someone like mac hollins or something like that so it doesn't mean he's counted out but i to be fair and candid pretty much overlooked him going into this so yeah, uh, no, the, i might not have given the, him a fair shake with good reason though i mean if, he, if he's that advanced and you know he's kind of dominating conference usa that that you know you can you can have some questions about what the rest of it all uh looks like, like he's no zach pascal let's just put it that way no, certainly not absolutely not um but that's gonna wrap things up for our podcast we'll be rolling these out uh i think every thursday uh moving forward we'll, we'll try to have that ironed out more specifically for next week but yeah look for these uh dropping most thursdays uh from now until draft time uh so again mario thank you for joining me this was our senior bowl uh preview we will be back next week to uh give our uh sort of final breakdown of the senior bowl and get into some more uh Combine we'll zoom, yeah, we'll zoom some things out, get the juniors involved, uh, get it all started here on the Rotowire Football Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.